Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from our special guest. said good morning to you once, but good morning. I'm excited to be able to preach to you this morning uh, on this first Sunday in December, uh, December the 4th, and, and actually it's just, uh, just to really launch us into this next series, Pastor Eddie will be going into a three-part Christmas series, and it's going to be really good. And so this morning, I'm going to come from a different perspective as I talk about a title that is God with us. We hear this, we read through it. Um, but I want to take an approach, it's, it's not so much in the sense, and maybe it's a little bit backwards from what you're used to, but I want to get some information to you that is, for many of us, maybe you already know, but it's a little bit, it may be a revelation to a lot of us, um, is why, why is it that God, we know that he came to save us from our sins, but what was the process in which God came to us? How did he get to be with us? It's kind of what I want to take, and this will really help to spring off into next week as Pastor goes into the series on Christmas, um, and so I, I get that opportunity to do that. Bear with me. My voice is trying to depart from me, so just pray that it stays. So anyway, um, I'm excited to be able to preach though. So um, if you would, and you've got your Bibles with you, take and open those to the book of Matthew chapter 1. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 1, or your smartphones, or whatever you may have, it's going to be on the side screens as well. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, uh, 18 through 23 is actually a setting of Scripture we hear every, most of the time we hear it around Christmas time, and it's, uh, we read this, but um, it's important to, to always review these as well. But I want to tell you, in case you didn't know, we, Jesus is the master key to Christmas, and one of the ways we get to know him is through the many names that God has given to him in scripture. And one of those names is that we know him is in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. And the scripture says, Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they shall name him Emmanuel, which is translated means, say it, God with us. Just translated, God with us. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for strength I pray for the anointing upon my life, Lord, that for these people, that their hearts will be open and receptive to receive the word of God. I pray for the spirit of conviction upon every heart that would cause those of which that the spirit can only draw to turn towards you in fullness, to lay aside any weight or any sin that would beset them and draw them closer into your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll notice in this quote of Matthew 1.23, you'll see that it's, in bold letters and bold font, which typically means that it has been predicted or prophesied previously into the Old Testament. And we see this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. The scripture says there, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child. Two things happen in here. A virgin will be with child and bear a son. 
and she will call his name Emmanuel. Well, we know what that means. We've heard it. Yeah, yeah, I got it. It means Emmanuel means God with us. But do we really know what that means, that God is with me? Do I really understand what that means, that God is with me? I know that as I was preparing for this, the thoughts were coming to me. If God is with me, that means also that God is for me. That means that if God is for me, he's more than the world against me. So regardless of what I faced, regardless of what I went through this past year or even right now, there has to be an understanding that God gave us a name of himself to say, I am Emmanuel, I am God with you. I haven't left you. Many of you may be sitting here this morning feel like God has left. He hasn't left you. Maybe it was a bad uh, situation at work. Maybe it was a bad relationship, regardless of what it is, and you feel completely lonely because it's it, the emotions and the, the, mental, uh, the mental things and the emotional weightiness can, can come upon us in such a way that can make us feel like that we are all by ourselves and no one cares. But God has never left you. He said that, and it's one of those things we hear sometimes when people pray. So if you pray this, I'm not talking to you. Yeah, I am. I really am. But if you pray, God be with me, well, he can't answer that. I mean, it's already done. So he can't, okay, I'm going to, how about, you know what I'm saying? He can't answer that again. So God is with me. He's never left. There's never been a time that he's left me. It's hard for God to withdraw his hand from you. The, the psalmist even said, though I make my bed in hell or in Sheol, behold, you are there. I can't escape you. It's in, I, I can't get away from him. But in Isaiah 7:14, the scripture's talking about God's people being attacked. And the Lord speaks to King Ahaz and says, Look, I'm going to give you a sign. You're under attack. I'm going to give you a sign. It's going to be a sign of victory. And the sign shall be a virgin having a son. Now, I don't know if any lady has ever said that she was a virgin and she had a she, she got pregnant without. The whole process of sexual relationship and, and gave birth to a baby. I'm just going to tell you, it hasn't happened since that moment and it will never happen again. It's a one-off. This is a foundational truth to Christianity. Jesus, well, we want to look at it from the, the, uh, the prospect of the understanding of biologically. Mary had an egg. It was fertilized by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, Jesus is divine, he is fully man, being that he was born of a woman, but he was fully God, being that she was overshadowed by Holy Spirit, right? So we believe in the virgin birth in this house. Jesus didn't ascend to a kingship. He was born a king. He was a king before he was born, okay? And that, the scripture says, is God speaks to them, and he says, this is a sign, be born of a virgin. Uh, and he said, I'm going to be with you in spite of what's attacking you. Regardless of what you're facing, I'm going to be with you. So God never left. Then Matthew begins to go into this and, and, and say that this child being born will not just be with you, but it'll be God with you. And the first thing to understand about God is that Jesus is designated as God. All right? The New Testament declares over and over and over and over again that Jesus is God in flesh. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Get ready for a biblical lesson. Some of you are like, I'm, I'm just going to just wake me up when it's over. But here you go. Get ready. This is going to be some knowledge for you as you read scripture. This is what Christmas is truly all about. Colossians 1 15 that Jesus 
is the exact expression, the image, the exact uh, copy and duplication of God. The firstborn of all creation. We understand that Jesus came firstborn among the dead, that rose from the dead. He is our elder brother, but yet he's still God. We are those after that aspect. We are after coming after him. He's the firstborn from the dead, and we follow after him. So he's our elder brother. He is the exact, Hebrews 1 says that he is the exact representation of God the Father. So when we look at Jesus, we see Father. Thomas said, show me the Father. He said, Thomas, have I not been with you all this time? And it wasn't until Thomas touched the nail-pierced side or the the, the spear-pierced side of Jesus and the nail-pierced hands that he said, my Lord and my God. So he confessed, Jesus, you are God. The Jews wanted to kill Jesus because he made himself equal to God. And we see it all throughout the New Testament as he escaped them. There's names of God in the Old Testament, and this is where I start to get really excited. How many of you have ever prayed through the names of God? I get it, it's Jesus, but how many of you have ever prayed through the Jehovah's? Prayed through the all, and I'm going to give you some. It's important to do that because there's dynamics of that. Yes, Jesus is the full embodiment, embodiment of those things, but yet at the same time, there are these expressions of God that's only listed through names that as he revealed himself to those in the Old Testament. Elohim is the first one. That is creator God. Elohim, he is Elohim in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we get John the Revelator or John the Beloved that wrote the fourth gospel that is separate and apart from the first three, the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John writes from a place of intimacy. He writes from a place of nearness that desired to be the one that laid his head upon the chest of Jesus. And he says in the verse, very first part of his book, he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. All things, and this is my point right here, creator God. All things came into being through him and apart from him. Not even one thing came into being that has come into being. So guess what? He's Elohim in the Old Testament and he's creator God in the New Testament. He is the great I am, Jehovah. He is the, the, the Lord your God. But also revealed as it was to Moses. He told Moses, Moses said, who am I to tell the, uh, to Pharaoh that you're sending and he said you tell him that I am that I am I am the Lord your God Yahweh I am Jehovah and in the New Testament Jesus tells the Jews he said before Abraham was you can finish it he said I am so he's Jehovah the I am the great I am in the Old Testament he reveals himself to as Adonai or Lord in the New Testament we see that Jesus is referred to as Kyrios, or Lord, or as Paul said, that confess Jesus as Lord. He's the boss. He is the one that's over the director, the Lord over your life. The Old Testament, we see Jehovah Nissi. Why are these names important? You need to know them for yourself. I believe they're important and vital for you. Jehovah Nissi, he's your banner of victory in the Old Testament. The New Testament, Jesus says in the book of John, I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. I have overcome. So Jesus is my banner of victory and strength in the new. He is the God, Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Rohi, that's the next one. The Lord who is my shepherd. The Lord, God, my shepherd. In the New Testament, Jesus speaks to them in the book of John and says that I am the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice. Jehovah Saba is another one. Not Sab. Jehovah Saba. 
the Lord of hosts. Or I love one of my favorite translations, the great and mighty warrior of heaven. The Lord of hosts, Jehovah Saba in the Old Testament is how they referred to him. In the New Testament, Jesus said, I could have called forth for 10,000 angels and they would have come at my request. So he is Jehovah Saba, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. In the Old Testament, he's referred to as El Elyon, the God most high, the most high God above all. In the New Testament, Jesus said, I sit at the right hand of my Father. What is the right hand of Father of the Father? That's power. Jesus said, I sit at the right hand of power. I have all power. All power and all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. And he dispatches the apostles for the Great Commission. You and I as well. The next one, El Shaddai, God Almighty. All power belongs to him. And, the new, and I love this verse, Revelation 1.8. John the Revelator is exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And he has some of the most incredible visions and, and some of these things that he's caught up into the third heaven and starts to see the just mind-blowing of the things that he saw. And he says in verse 8 of chapter 1, he says that Jesus speaks to him and he writes and it says, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come. I love this. The Almighty. That's who I am. So whenever you speak the name Emmanuel for Christmas and we talk about God with us, you understand there's so much power in that name. That points to Jesus. He is the fulfillment. He is our salvation. Not just a confession of sins and the Spirit of God living inside of me. That's great and that's wonderful. There's a door and if I'll enter through the door, there's a kingdom. And inside that kingdom, there's access to keys of authority in my personal life that I can speak under the unction and under the submission to, the, to, the, to God the Father, Jesus. And there's things that can happen in my world and in my life. There's things he wants to talk to me about. There's, there's places he wants me to go and there's a will that he has for my life. But I don't want to just stop at the door. I want to enter through the door because Jesus is the door. But then I enter into a kingdom. A kingdom that's filled with great things. A kingdom that's filled with miracles and signs and wonders. Not as an end of to themselves. But that point to a greater reality that we've been called to subdue the earth. Under the unction and under the direction of the Lord. Do you understand that this morning? That's what this is. Christmas is more than just a baby in a manger. You hear that a lot, but he's more than a baby in a manger. It is the initiating of whenever God himself came down in flesh, allowing his own created people to, be, to, to encounter his created so that the, the created could encounter the creator and experience him for who he was. But how did God get to be with us? How did, he, how did that happen? Because God himself is transcendent, which means that he is well beyond anything you could fathom. He transcends human logic, human thought. He's outside of anything you could, you could understand. Well, that's wonderful, Pastor AJ. But I, I, I mean, how, how, does, how, do I quite, how do I connect my heart with that? He's outside of our realm. He's in, infinitely distinct from his creation until he came in the form of of a man. So we can talk about creation as though God is a part of it, but he's very distinct from it. He's in another zone. But he wanted to be with us. He wanted to be among his people. He wanted to walk. And I'll tell you, I remember I prayed over someone 
It's been a, a, a few Wednesday, well, actually, it's probably been about three Wednesday nights ago. And there's times when I pray with people, and I just feel this deep sense of compassion. And I just can't do nothing but weep. I'll pull them close, and I'll pray over them. And, and, I, and I just begin to weep because I can feel the heart of God for that person. And this has been about, about probably about three months ago. I begin to pray over someone, and I just begin to weep. And then in that moment, I felt the heart of Jesus, of how he must have felt when he was moved with compassion upon the masses of the people. Compassion moved his heart, and that's why he healed all that were sick with diseases and with problems. He healed them all because of that compassion. And we, he, when he came to earth, he came to demonstrate the life of the normal, Christ, of the normal Christian believer. That's what he's here for. He came, he said, I only see what I see my father doing, and I only say what I hear my father saying. So if you want to know what God the Father's saying, look at Jesus in every dimension. Now let me just tell you this. Everybody in this room, <clears throat> you have to study to show yourself approved. So everything I'm telling you, you get yourself in the Bible and study it for yourself. Know it for yourself. Don't know it just because I'm telling you. But I encourage you, maybe some things I'm saying is challenging your thoughts. Well, go read it for yourself. We're all trying to learn. We're all trying to grow and understand the heart of God. None of us are trying to walk in a, in a different direction. But I wanted to tell you, take the scripture and read it. Devour it. The more you read, the more life comes from it. It's not just, well, you better read or you're going to go to hell. Or you better pray or you're going to go to hell. You know, I've, Certain people believe in that way. It's, no, it's a, it's a conversational relationship. Jesus, is, he came near so that you could experience his presence that transforms I don't want to head knowledge. I don't, the, the intellectualism will not lead you anywhere because your heart will lead you places your head won't be able to fit. I'm sorry I'm taking a rabbit trail, but I want, to, I want to let you know that. You better encounter the God of the Bible. Your Bible better not be your God. You better encounter the author. All right, I'll move on. Is there an amen anywhere? Amen. There it is. Okay, good. I can move on. How did this occur that God came to be with us, dwelling among us? Matthew 1 says that a virgin would get pregnant and give birth to a baby boy. Okay? That's, we read over it, keep moving. In, thought, in theology, I'm not going to go deep into this, but in theology there's a definition for that. So you can understand. I want to bring it to you. That's called a hypostatic union. That's what it is. Simplistic, two natures in one person. Unmixed forever. Two natures, one person, unmixed forever. That's how that took place. That's why Jesus is sometimes called the Son of God. And, and he has the, the nature of deity, but also he's called the Son of Man, which means that he has the nature of humanity. Fully God. That's great. But then there's a side that, that exempts you from not walking in this, which is fully man. So now we have an invitation. Right? Are you with me? Say amen. Okay, good. That's important for us because we look at this and we look at Mary. All right? Mary, Mary was highly favored. She says, how can this be seen that I don't know a man or that I haven't been intimate with a man? Right? Because we understand that whole process, how that's supposed to work. She was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus was, <clears throat> Jesus was conceived at that moment. And this is, and I'll say it one last time, this is the only time, the only time that a virgin birth has or ever will occur. So whoever said that, they, that it has, they're a liar, I'm just going to say. So <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, let's take it a step further and we'll, we'll walk this out. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. This is Paul writing about Jesus. By the way, Philippians is the happiest book of the Bible, and it was written from a prison cell. How about that? All right? So Paul writes from the revelation of, 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 of with a revelation and a relationship with Christ, says, who has all, as he already existed in the form of God. In other words, Jesus had already existed before he was ever born, right? Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. The form of God is what I want to focus and hone in. Before he became a man, or before he became a man, he existed as a part of the Godhead, all right? So, Jesus wasn't in the sense of, that's why we read in the book of Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. I'm going to slow this down right here because I don't want you to miss this. For a, We always read this and think, well, it's the same thing. For a child would be born to us, a son will be given. A child being born, Jesus is the only begotten. He came from the Father. All right? Teaching moment. I'm going to slow it down. Jesus is the only begotten son. He came from the Father. All right? So... A child was born. You can't have a child being born without the son coming. Does that make sense? Even though the child was born, the son had to be given or there would be no child. Right? The son was previously in existence before the child was born. Did you get it? So when you read that, you understand what that means. For a child will be born. Jesus was not born in the sense because he was already in existence. But a child was born. Jesus came in the form of God in flesh, incarnate for us. God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 7 says, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of a man. Picture this. One second. Picture a picture of water. Water represents, in a picture of water, it represents, that water represents the deity of Jesus or the divine nature. I can take that picture of water and I can empty it all into a glass of water, the glass representing the humanity And whatever is poured out of the picture into the glass has been deposited or completely emptied into the glass or into humanity. Right? So what you had at the virgin birth was deity being poured into humanity. All that made God, God was poured into human flesh. That's important. He emptied himself somehow. Beyond that transcends our understanding, the father slipped off his robe of eternity and he stepped into the the finite human body and he allowed humanity to crucify him, to talk down to him. Isn't it interesting that in every other world religion, everybody, they'll, they'll run around, they'll cut themselves They'll, they'll stay up for days and do chants around fires and this and that and the other. Trying to prepare a table for their God to come down and touch them. But in Christianity, we can be so full of ourselves and miss the point that God himself came down to his own created beings. We know that he is God Almighty. He's El Elyon. He's beyond. 
And he came down to us and allowed us to be able to touch him. He came to us. We didn't have to go to him. We didn't have to do all of these crazy things that all of these other world religions say. And as, as I love one of my favorite quotes, I think it was, um, he's already passed away. Um, but it was, it was a quote that said that it's crazy that within Christianity, it's interesting that, that our God had prepared a table for us while all the world religions, they're trying to prepare a table for their God. But our God came to us. And I don't think in any capacity with what God's done in the lives of the people that I've seen in this room, how he's transformed hearts for one moment that we've missed it. I'm just going to tell you, I don't believe we've missed it at all. I believe that for those that are willing to sell out and yield in fullness, God will take that person He'll elevate them. He'll use them. They'll become a mouthpiece for their generation. And that, that's what God's asking for right now. Yielded vessels that he can empty himself into and use for the glory of the kingdom of God. So that apart from sin, God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. He couldn't sin. He never sinned. He emptied himself completely into humanity. Why did he do that? Why would God do that? I don't know. Do you read scripture and not ask the questions? It's not that you question the scripture. We know what's true. We know what's, this is the infallible word of God. It's, it's going to stand the test of time. This is what you'll be judged by. This is the constitution for which that we live our lives as believers underneath. We can't pick and choose what's good and what's not. Um, it, this is our standard that we live our life by. But why did he do that? Why did Jesus, why did God do that? So it's simple. You ready? So that he could be with you. Because he's called Emmanuel, God with us. So that he could be human in every aspect of the word apart from sin while at the same time being God. So God through growth and development through Jesus and the process for which that we walk through life without that every human goes through without losing his deity. That's how he came. Walked in every experience that we walk in. And you know it's like. Well there's an invitation to this. And the way that we draw near to God. It's mentioned there in the scripture. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. But the way you get closer to God. Is you simply just get closer to Jesus. Well what does that look like? How often do you open up your gospels and just read? Do you understand that the Bible is Christocentric? That means it's Christ-centered. Everything about this is speaking about Jesus. You can find him in every book. He's in every book. As I, work, as I read through, he, he personifies dimensions and aspects of every book in, in Scripture because it all points to him. It's a redemptive story of God wanting to redeem his beloved back to him. And he did it by putting on flesh and coming and allowing his created to, to crucify the creator. Right? The Old Testament said there would be a king, and this king would be God in the flesh. And he had to come, the king had to come through a line. All right, now this is where it gets a little crazy. He had to come through a line, specifically the line of Judah, via the lineage of David. There were a lot of lineages in Judah that, that had come already, but this one specifically had to come through David, through King David. <clears throat> Do you understand that God is a God of order? God doesn't do anything by happenstance. There is no coincidences with God. As a matter of fact, I don't believe there's any coincidences we experience in life. It's not a coincidence. There's not a happenstance. There's not a word for that in the Hebrew language. 
God is a God of order. God is, is a God of direction. It was so if you feel chaos in your life, you're like, man, God's working chaos. No, no, that's not, that's not God. It may feel like that, but God's got something going on. God is a God of order. In 70 AD, the Romans came, as it was predicted and talked about. They sent Titus and the Roman soldiers to destroy, destroy the Jewish nation. Jesus spoke about this. He said, there will not be one stone left upon another. It will be completely destroyed. And in that, they came and they destroyed the temple. Now, why is this important? Because in the temple, that's where every one of the, of the information for the Jewish tribes that had uh, all of their tribes, their, their genealogi- genealogicals and all that stuff, all of that stuff was in the temple. So the Jews stored their genealogical records there. So when the Romans destroyed the records, they, they destroyed a Jew being able to trace back their lineage to a particular tribe. But only one remained, and that was the line of Judah. And in the text, in Matthew and in Luke, there are two genealogical records. That of Joseph and Matthew, and that of Mary in the book of Luke. Right? There's two. They both designate that Jesus Christ is from the line of David, both biologically and legally. Again, When God came in flesh, everything had to be in order for him to die for your sins. I'm telling you, this is very important. You need to know this. Because God didn't just, well, I'll just come at this time. When he came, it was all a divine setup. He knew exactly when he would enter time. He knew exactly the line that he would come through. So in Matthew 1, he makes it clear in verse 6, Jesse fathered King David. Well, Jesse was not a good father. It's crazy to think about. It's wild. You look at that. He left him on the backside of nowhere. He begins to trace it all the way down. And there's so many stories that I could tell over and over of how God, what he had to do to make this thing work for you to experience salvation. And what he did for you to experience his presence. Just one of those stories is the story of Ruth. Have you ever read the story of Ruth? You understand that she was not a Jew. She was married to Naomi's son. And they were Jews. They were in a foreign country. Pastor Eddie does an awesome message on this, by the way. That series he does on Ruth is so good. But the way God had to work this whole thing out with Ruth was crazy. She wasn't a Jew. She was a Moabitess woman, considered to be an outsider. She tells her mother-in-law, Naomi, hey, wherever you go, I'm going to follow. Your people will be my people. And all of you know that story that we always read at weddings and all that stuff is actually between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law, right? So she goes, they return back to the house of bread, which is what Bethlehem means. They return back to the house of bread in Bethlehem, and she met Boaz, a Jewish man. And they had a baby called Obed. Well, Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David. So you see where God begins to reach out into a foreign country and start working this thing to pull it into the lineage. I want to tell you something. Your lineage is important. Your lineage is important. Regardless of what's happened previously, God is invested in generations. He's the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, right? He's the God of this, and he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's invested generationally. So how are you sowing for the next generation in your family line right now? Think about it. What are you doing? Because you're living for a generation you won't see. Boy, it's quiet in here. I don't know if it's just boring or I can't figure it out. Hopefully you're taking it in. But you're, you're living for a generation you're, you're never going to see. So how do you live this life? 
But he has to pull it and pull them into the right lineage. Verse 16, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. Now, this is interesting, is it says Jacob, the father of Joseph. Now, you understand that Joseph was Jesus' stepfather, right? He wasn't his biological father. He was his father legally, but not biologically, okay? And, but in this scripture doesn't say that. It says by whom Jesus was born. What does that mean, by whom? That is a relative feminine pronoun that means Joseph did not have anything to do with this. It was all Mary. That's what it means. But Jesus had to come legally into the world and come from the legal line. It had to be done legally. Since Joseph became Jesus' stepfather because he wasn't his biological father, and Joseph is from the legal line of David, Jesus is qualified to be the Messiah because Joseph is his legal father. So you see it. Now he's entered in. But according to Jewish line, the Messiah had also to be biologically from David. And Luke 3, this is the genealogy of Mary that traces it back to David all the way down to Jesus being the physical mother. Now God had to get two people to fall in love somehow, bring them together from these, from these lineages. That's just like one from the legal, one from the biological. biological. But we still have a problem because Micah 5.2 says that they have to come from Bethlehem. The Messiah is going to come from Bethlehem. It's a little country town, maybe the size of Adamsville, really small. Somehow, enter the Roman IRS. A census was taken and the people were having to be taxed and having to go back to their place of birth. Joseph had to go back to Bethlehem because that's where he originated. That's where he's from. And it just so happened... That during that time, Mary goes into labor. Just so happened that the Messiah had to be born from Bethlehem. She goes into labor and she delivers Jesus in Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy. Do you understand what God had to do to work this thing to get it to work the right way and do it right? Born of the water, born of the flesh, born of the spirit. That's Jesus. He had to do it legally. He had, God had to have a physical body, but he had to do it the right way. Just remember that God did a whole lot to hook up this holiday we call Christmas. Not Santa Claus. Santa Claus didn't do nothing. Sorry, he didn't do I, I better not. I, better, I don't know who. Crystal just cussed me out without saying, without cussing me out. It was all as a a look. So Christmas means, whoo, I can't laugh. I'll start coughing. Christmas means God is with us. I I give all of that to you because you need to know. Somebody was like, I don't even know. Bethlehem, what's that? House of bread? We've got bread. We've got bread. We've got communion. We're going to go eat bread. Rolls, Sister Schubert rolls probably. I hope they got those, by the way. Who brought Sister Schubert Rose? All right, good. I don't want to see if there's any hands. And the God of heaven has entered into human history. This blows my mind. I don't know the more I think about it. Here's another thought for you because I I struggle with this from time to time, just taking a rabbit trail. Where did God come from? I know I say this a lot, but where did God come from? If he's always existed, where did he come from? Well, because we always originate from somewhere, right? We, we've been given birth to but God has always existed. He's eternal. The God of heaven enters humanity. 
in human history. Why? Why did he do that? He wanted you to experience what it feels like to have him sit next to you. And he wanted you to know what it felt like when, he wanted to know what it felt like to sit next to another man. Another woman, another person that was broken. He wanted, to, he wanted to be experienced, and he wanted to experience that as well. That's why he came. Hebrews 4 and 15 really pictures, I mean, it's a beautiful picture. It says that we don't have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who cannot sympathize. Now, for those of you that say, well, God just doesn't understand, God doesn't know. We don't have a high priest. Jesus is our high priest. That can't sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who has been tempted in what? Come on, people of God. One that's been what? Tempted in all things. So there's nothing that he hasn't experienced or been tempted by. As we are, yet without sin. Without sin qualifies him to be the Messiah of perfection. He is never, he's never sinned. He's never fallen short of anything. He is perfect in every way. He didn't ascend to kingship. He was born a king. He was a king prior to coming. He is God incarnate, Jesus Christ in flesh. God became a man who could sympathize with every kind of weakness you face. Every person in this room. So when you feel that you feel hopeless, you feel, I, I, I don't know, I feel lonely. I feel forsaken. I feel rejected. I feel all of these things. Understand, he experienced every one of those. And people say, well, he was rejected so you would never have to be. No, that's a lie. Because you will get rejected. You will get rejected. But he experienced all these so that he would be qualified to be your, 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 your high priest. I hope we understand, Patrick, wherever you are, if you would. I hope that we understand that in the name of Emmanuel, we've been given a Christmas gift where God wants to connect and be with his people while at the same time, he's still going to be God. People say, well, God, you know, there's this movement right now. If I could just talk br- briefly on this. There's a movement right now on, on greasy grace. You can do whatever you want to, and it's okay. God winks his eye at it. No, he's not. Grace is not a license for you to sin. It's an empowerment to walk this Christian life out with a heart of purity. I'm telling you, I don't, I don't want to stand before him and be led astray. Because this is the bad thing about deception, you don't know it. Can you be willing to come before the Father of all life? God, you're with me. You've never left in a place of, in a place of prayer privately. And say, God, I need you to search me and know me. Is there any offense in me? Is there any unforgiveness in me? Is there anything that I'm believing that's a lie that's not truth? Because if it is, you need to reveal it to me and I need to turn from it. Come on. Sin is sin. I don't care how it dresses itself up and whatever. It's sin. How do I stay? Turn from the love what you love and hate what you hate. I believe that. We have to come to that place with a heart of purity. What should be our response in light of all of this. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 says this. For this reason also God highly exalted him, being Jesus, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, And those are on earth and under the earth. So that means that those that have gone on to be with the Lord, those that are still alive, and those that have actually made their bed in another place called hell. Regardless of where they are, he's saying that 
every tongue, every one of them, I don't care, spiritual being or those that lived in humanity, they will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, here's our option this morning. Here's your option. You ready? You can either pay homage and give worship to him now voluntarily, or you can pay homage to him later mandatorily. It's your option because there's coming a day. This one that we call the Lion of the tribe of Judah, Emmanuel, God in flesh. One of these days, I don't care how rebellious a generation, how pride, how high and mighty, or how low or whatever. doesn't matter. There's going to come a day that every knee is going to do this right here. And they're going to confess, Jesus, you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. They will confess. And they will look upon him and say, man, how did I miss this? Why did I miss this? Even the atheist that says there is no God. Even the one that struggles to believe, well, maybe there's a higher power, but I don't know if it's Jesus. I'm telling you, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is, Jesus is Lord. There's coming a day. My question to you is, do you know him in that way? Because right now, we're in the age of grace, the grace dispensation, where there's blood that's been deposited to the mercy seat on the ark that's in heaven in the temple, beyond the veil. I know that just went through some people. It's all, don't worry about it. Just understand there's mercy and grace for you right now. But there's coming a day when that runs out. You don't want to miss that. You don't want to play with this. This life called the Christian walk, you don't play with this. You want to put your whole heart into it. You want to yield. God, whatever you want is what I want. Whatever thing that i got to repent of and move away from, whatever sin, whatever thing that's besetting me, it's not a sin, it's just weighing me down because you got to call. i got to put it to the side and i got to embrace the cross. i got to embrace resurrection power. Take me, God, right now. That, that hope that I have in you takes me into the very throne room of God, the Scripture says. So I grasp it today with everything I've got today. Come on, stand to your feet. I want to pray over you right now. I don't know if there's anybody in this room, and I don't want to take it for granted. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, and maybe you have, but you just know, man, I got to recommit. What what do I need to do? I need to recommit my life to you. What does it take? There's people in this room. Do you really know where you're going to spend eternity? It's important to know that. If you're not for sure, then maybe you you need to pray. I'll pray with you. Come on, bow your heads for just a moment. I'm going I'm to help you. I'm going to pray in a way, but you got to pray your own way in this. If you know that today that you're not saved, or you know that today you've been away from God and God's calling you to come back, whatever that is, lift your hand right now so I can pray with you. I'm not going to call you to the front. Just lift your hand so I can see it. Anybody right now? See the hand back there. Anybody else back there? Yeah. Hand over there. See the hand back there too. Hey, right now, start with the place of repentance. The scripture says that godly sorrow works repentance. It's your heart. Holy Spirit's been drawing you this whole service. He's been speaking to you. It's him. It's not me. Just begin to ask the Lord, Father, I'm asking you right now to forgive me of all of my sins. Jesus, you paid a price. You were the propitiation for my sins, which means you were the appeasement of it to the Father. You shed blood on a kill called Calvary. And if it would not have been for the blood of Jesus, I could not be uh, forgiven of my sins. But I ask you to forgive me. And I need you, Jesus, to live inside. Direct my feet. Direct my heart. Forgive me. Cleanse me from these sins that I've committed. 
I've been wrong. I'm a sinner. And I need Jesus. Forgive me. I want to become a son. I want to become a daughter in the kingdom of God. I need you. I need you more than my next breath. I need your life breathing in me and through me. Touch me right now. I welcome the presence of King Jesus in this room as he's walking up and down these aisles looking for those that will extend out and reach out to touch the Lord as he's walking by. He's not busy. He doesn't have other agendas. He's got you on his agenda. He wants to touch you, make you whole, lead you into freedom. I'm telling you, there is a strong spirit of deliverance in this house right now. And what I mean by that is, is that things that even though that we're believers, we understand that we can still struggle in areas. But God is coming to deliver some of us right now in this moment. And so if you would hang just for a moment. And just begin to invite the deliverer. Mighty God, you are the deliverer. I'm asking for deliverance. I need deliverance. Break every chain. Every chain the enemy would bind me with in the name of Jesus. I receive delivering power for that comes from the blood of Jesus. Oh God, I plead the blood of Jesus over this room right now. Declare the healing power of Jesus over the mind, will, and emotions. In the name of the Lord, I pray that kingdom assignments are being dispatched through your angels that are in this room. I thank you for a fresh anointing coming upon the people of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Come, Lord. Move. Touch. Kingdom of God, I receive. I receive. Come on, with, out of your own mouth, just, say, just tell the Lord, say, I receive. I receive it, God. I receive it. I receive. I receive. I receive. Thank you, Jesus, for healing. Thank you for moving, breaking every chain. Mighty Redeemer. Thank you, Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.